Though my words keep going like a teleprompter. I'm an asshole. Wipe me down, bitch. I get big checks. Nike town, bitch. Yeah, me, mom. Bobby Brown shit. In the flag red. Like clown lips. Uh, see, I can't stop going. Drop my best shit like the Cowboys. Rock horns. I'm the best to ever do it, motherfucker. I know it. No ceilings. God damn it. Now the fucking sky's showing up. Uh. All right, you know what time it is. General Policy, Free Women and Men Podcast. It's your host, Burl Burl. About to give you that real for today. Uh, it is Saturday, uh, the 4th. Um, so we're most likely going to get some crazy news. Probably a murder, a celebrity death in the news uh, today. Uh, 3 slash 4, like 34. Murder equals 34. Um, Jesus also equals 34. Uh, black equals 34. Um you know what I mean? Again, today's three slash four. Rapper equals 34. So not only that, today's a Saturday. We know we get a lot of shootings reported on the news or in the national news on a Saturday. So be on the lookout for that as well. Um, if you're wondering what the fuck I'm talking about, that, my friends, is Jabatria. That's one of the components we speak about here in this podcast. Probably the major, the most important. Uh, but yeah, it's basically the practice of assigning numerical value to letters and numbers and, or letters and words and phrases, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, based upon the English alphabet. The reason why is because the English alphabet is the most commonly spoken language. Well, not, I shouldn't say that, but it's the uh, the most dominant language in the world. Uh, people need around the world need to know how to speak English before we here in English land need to speak anything else. Uh, but yeah, based in the alphabet, uh, which is a 26 letter alphabet, um, you know, four ciphers or four formulas uh, per word or phrase. So one letter, one word, one phrase um, computes to four formula, four numbers out of four formulas. Um, we know numbers are infinite. We're only using four. Um, and yeah, so the four, first formula um, is basically the alphabet uh, forwards, where A is the first letter up into Z is the 26th letter. Um, the second one would be uh, where A is the 26th letter up into Z is the first letter. Um, and then you have the alphabet uh, forwards with the rules of numerology. Applied and then backwards with the rules of numerology applied. Rules of numerology applied means that you take every letter with a double digit value and you simplify it to a single digit uh, value by taking the two digits, adding them together, getting a single digit. So, for instance, K is the 10th, I get or one of them, J is the 10th letter or K. Um, regardless, the 10th letter would be one, 11th letter would be two, 12th letter would be three, and so forth. Same thing in reverse. Um, so, very simple. Um, it's geometry and language or the Pythagorean theorem or the 47 problem, the Euclid, whatever you want to call it, but that's what it is. Uh, the people that run the world uh, use esoteric knowledge and occult knowledge of science, if you want to call it, uh, to run the world. Um, obviously, we're not taught about this in grade school, so, um, you know, this is foreign to you uh, for the most part, for the new for the new listener. Um, this is supposed to, you know, when, you're, when you hear this, it's supposed to sound corny. Um, the person telling you, myself or Zach or whoever, um, you're, you're, you know, you're programmed to look at us like we are borderline retarded, like we need to be in a psychiatric institution, um, you know, like we're, you know, we're high or some shit. That's how you're, you know, that's how you've been indoctrinated and uh, coddled or programmed into thinking. You automatically jump to conspiracy theory, not knowing that the coin was turned to deter people who tell the truth. Um and are trying to tell the truth to the masses. Uh, that's Rockefeller. It's all psychological 
warfare. You know, not many people know uh, why the alphabet is a 26 letter alphabet or how we got the alphabet, why the shapes of the alphabet are the shapes that they are. Same with numbers. Some people don't know this shit. Um, they don't know that the calendar was founded or uh, by or named after a Catholic pope. They don't know that the alphabet was standardized by a Catholic monk. Um, you know, the language and the the calendar are synced together. Um, you know, it's almost like a grid. It's a it's a well-oiled machine. Again, geometry and language is all about foundation. And this is how it works. This is how the news decides which stories they're going to tell you every day. This is how we predict these basketball games, football, any game, any pro game and elections, anything, anything on that mainstream. Um, we're able to uh, decipher it and see what's really going on. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, obviously, I'm going to do the NBA games first, um, and then we'll get into the news from yesterday and uh, what to watch for today. Uh, so let's take a look here first with the games. All right, today has 50, 14, and 30 date numerology. 3, 4, 20, 23 equals 50. 3 plus 4 plus 2 plus 0 plus 2 plus 3 equals 14, 3 plus 4 plus 23 equals 30. Those are your three date numerologies for today. Uh, today is the fourth. Uh, 16 is the square root of 4. 7 is the fourth prime number. Uh, March 4th is the 63rd day of the year, leaving 302 days remaining. It's the 138th day of the national basketball season. Um, it is Saturday in Gematria. Forwards, Saturday equals 109 and 28 forwards with numerology applied backwards it equals 107 and 53 backwards with numerology applied saturn is named after saturn saturday is named after saturn saturn equals 93 forwards 21 forwards with numerology applied and 69 backwards and 42 backwards with numerology applied so be on the lookout for those numbers today also, congratulations on a dominant Friday night. This is via Zach. Uh, I know a lot of you had a great evening. As I said, today's another good day to be selective. And we did. We had a great evening. As far as picking just mid-level, I think we only lost like maybe like two or three games last night. Definitely hit big on that Nets game. I told you guys, if you listened to the episode yesterday, hey, put $5 on the Nets. You know what I mean? And that shit paid out. Uh... I'm pissed as fuck about that Clippers game. Damn. Well, not, uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it, but let's look at it here. And then the Hawks shocked the hell out of me, too. But then I forgot that uh, DeAndre, what's his name? The new guard, DeAndre something. I can't think of his name. But not DeAndre. Um, I can't think of his name, but the Murray, Murray, uh, DeWante Murray, he's actually from Seattle or Portland, the Portland area. It's either Portland or Seattle, but he's from the Pacific Northwest, so he went off last night. But anyway, let's take a look at it. Pistons versus Cavaliers. Damn. Cleveland favored by 16. Oh, there you go. 15 and a half, 16 points. Um, and again, today's the fourth square root of 16 on 220 over and under. Uh, the Cavaliers are 100 and 132 versus the Pistons, 62 and 53 at home. They're 115 and 138 versus the Pistons playoffs included, 71 and 54 at home. Uh, the Pistons can stay on 15 wins in Ohio. Ohio equals 47, which is the 15th prime number. Uh, the, the, the Pistons head coach can pick up his 14th loss in Cleveland on the 14th date in numerology. Uh, the Cavs can get their 12th win in the division. Detroit equals 37, which is the 12th prime number. On the flip side... 
The Pistons can shock the Cavs and stay on 48 losses when Cleveland equals 48. Uh, Detroit could pick up their 16th win on the 4th when square root of uh, 16 is 4 or whatever. Square root of 4 is 16. If the Cavs lose, they stay on 26 home wins before hosting the Celtics when Celtics equals 26. Cavs would pick up their 14th loss in the conference on the 14-day numerology. Cleveland is, again, a 15.5-point favorite on the 14-day numerology. So definitely take the points with the Cavaliers uh, game uh, with the Pistons. Cavs probably will win, but I'm going to take the Pistons with the points, and I'm going to take the over. Uh, Raptors versus Wizards. Wizards are 40-59 and 59 versus the Raptors, 24-24 and 24 at home. Uh, 46 and 63 versus the Raptors playoffs included, 28 and 25 at home. Uh, the Raptors can pick up their 21st road loss on the season. Saturday equals 21. Um, and they could pick up their 34th loss on the season overall on 3 slash 4. Today has 50 day numerology. Washington equals 50. And the game is in Washington, D.C. On the flip side, the Wizards can pick up their 14th home loss on the 14-day numerology. Raptors can pick up their 12th road win. Wizards equals 12, with, or excuse me, Wizards equals 37, which is the 12th prime number. Uh, the Raptors can stay on 33 losses. Washington, D.C. equals 137, which is the 33rd prime number. And the Raptors head coach can pick up his 100th road win when Wizards equals 100. Uh, the Raptors coach can improve to 6-1 and one in D.C. when Washington, D.C. equals 61. And he can stay on 21 losses in the conference. Or, excuse me, the Raptors can stay on 21 conference losses when Saturn equals 21. If the Wizards lose the next two games, they'll have 34 losses after they play the Bucks when Bucks equals 34. If the Raptors win, they'll face Denver with 32 wins when Denver equals 32 as well as 31. Yeah, Toronto favored by two, 222 and a half, basically 223 over and under. It's going to be a close one. I think I'm going to go with the Wizards, though. Give me the Wizards for the win. Uh, Hawks versus Heat. Um, the Heat are 74 and 58 versus the Hawks. They didn't get their 34th win last night, so they might as well get it tonight on 3 slash 4, but let's continue. The Heat are 74 and 58 versus the Hawks, 47 and 19 at home. The Heat are 83 and 66 versus the Hawks all time, 53 and 21 at home. The, these two play back to back in Miami. Uh, the Heat can pick up their 32nd loss in the two game series. Um, Atlanta Hawks equals 32 and 131 in two of four base ciphers. 131 is actually the 32nd prime number. Uh, the Hawks can improve to 20 and 20 in the conference. Heat equals 20. If the Hawks won both games, they would have 34 wins. Heat equals 34. They would then also have 16 road wins on the 16-date numerology. Heat equals 16. The next game is on March 6. Um, the Heat could fall to 76 in the division. Atlanta Hawks equals 76. It's the 76th NBA season. On the flip side, the Hawks can stay on 14 road wins on the 14-day numerology. Miami Heat equals 43, which is the 14th prime number. Uh, the Hawks can pick up their 21st uh, conference loss. Saturn equals 21, and the Heat can pick up their 17th conference win. Hawks equals 17, Atlanta, Georgia equals 59, which is the 17th prime number. 
Uh, the Heat can also pick up their 34th win of the season on 3-4 when Heat equals 34. If the Hawks lose today, it's a good chance they'll win the next game. So give me the Heat. Um, let's see. Uh, Timberwolves versus Kings. Kings are 60-65 and 65 versus the Wolves, 37-25 and 25 at home. Uh, they're 63-69 and 69 versus the Wolves, playoffs included, 39-26 and 26 at home. Sacramento could pick up their 38th win in Minnesota when Minnesota equals 38. And the Wolves can stay on 13 road wins when Sacramento Kings equals 169, which is the square root of 13. If the, King, uh, the Kings can improve to 16-3 and three versus Timberwolves, Timberwolves equals 163. Uh, the Timberwolves can pick up their 21st conference loss. Um... I'm so sorry. That was the Kings head coach can improve to 16 and three against the Timberwolves. But again, never mind. Um, but yeah, uh, 14 date numerology and the Wolves can pick up their 14th road win. Kings can pick up their 14th conference loss, 14 date numerology. If Minnesota upsets, they can hold off on their 33rd loss into the next game on the 33rd date numerology. Timberwolves can pick up their 34th win of the season on 3-4. If you play Sacramento, Minnesota's a smart hedge because of the day numerology. Yeah, I don't know. Sacramento, 5.5, 238 over and under. Hmm, give me the under. And, uh... I don't know, man. That 38 in Minnesota. I'm going to take the Kings for the win. I'm going to take the Kings for the win in that game. Philly versus the Bucks. Bucks are 117 and 104 versus the Sixers. 62 and 46 at home. They're 137 and 133 versus Philly, playoffs included, 75 and 58 at home. The Bucks are on a 16 game winning streak. NBA equals 17. Um, Bucks can stay on five home losses. Uh, 76ers can stay on 16 road wins. Milwaukee equals 53, the 16th prime number. Uh, the Sixers could pick up their 16th conference loss, and their uh, Doc Rivers could stay on 14 wins um, against Milwaukee or at Milwaukee on this 14-day numerology. Uh, the Bucks coach could stay on 135 total losses versus Sixers. 135 is a big number in Philly. Uh, Milwaukee could pick up their 18th loss. Philadelphia equals 61, the 18th prime number. And they could pick up their sixth home loss. ABC equals six. Um, the Sixers can stay on 12 road losses. Milwaukee equals 37, the 12th prime number. And the Bucks can fall to 26 and 14 in the conference. Philadelphia equals 101, which is the 26th prime number. And today has 14 date numerology. We know streaks end often in connection to the number 14. Um, end equals 14. And today has the 14-day numerology. Philly wins the next two. They'll have 16 road wins on the 16-day numerology. If they win the next three, they'll have 17 road wins on the 17-day numerology. Uh, the Bucks coach is 23 and 8 versus Sixers right now. Philadelphia is the flag. And we know if the Bucks coach wins, he'll be 24 and 8 versus Philadelphia. Then again, 23 and 9. You know, 23 is the ninth prime number, but we know all about Kobe. And that 24 and 8. So, <sighs> give me Giannis for the W. 
Rockets versus Spurs. Fuck the Spurs. Um, the Spurs are 117 and 92 versus the Rockets, 72 and 33 at home. They're 127 and 104 versus the Rockets all time, 76 and 40 at home. Uh, they can get their 17th win. Houston Rockets equals 59, which is the 17th prime. And they can stay on 21 home losses. Saturn equals 21. Uh, they could pick up their 50th loss on the 50-day numerology when Rockets can stay on 13 wins. San Antonio equals 41, which is the 13th prime number. Um, the Rockets can stay on 50 wins. Rockets head coach can stay on 50 career wins. 50-day numerology. Um, and he can fall to 2-8 and eight versus the Spurs. Rockets equals 28. Saturday equals 28. Rockets are on an 11-game losing streak. If they lost the next two to Houston, they'll go into the next game with 13 straight losses. And we know all about the Nets in the number 13. Uh, we know James Harden was traded to the Nets on the 13th day of the year. Uh, Hold up. Let's see. So, on the flip side, the Rockets can get their 14th win, 14-day numerology. Greg Popovich can pick up his 14th home loss against the Rockets, 14-day numerology. End equals 14. They would end their 11-game losing streak. These teams play against again tomorrow in Houston on the 15-day numerology. If Houston wins tonight and tomorrow, they'll have 15 wins on the season. Yeah, give me the Rockets. Fuck it. Give me the Rockets for the win. Um, let me see. I feel like I missed a game. Maybe I didn't. Is that it? That's it. And that's going to conclude the NBA Decos for today. And you know who's up next. Like it's Vegas. Uh, Keyboard killer, tough on 
Twitter, making posts, giving statements. Twitter. Niggas full of guys, PlayStation. Can't kill me, I'm a chaser. Woo. Yellow fed, Mason, federal. Look like dreads, Haitian, Haitian. You want my place? Take it, take it. You with the drum, cadence. Uh. You my partner, nigga. All I hang around, I'm a solid nigga. Say they won't smoke, but when you see them, they none toxic niggas. Uh. Ain't no pimp, but get your hoe. Before I knock a nigga, I knock a nigga. Little hitters on shoot them a movie, album, drop a nigga. Draco, Draco, hit them, make them splat. Turn them in a play, don't lay them flat. Welcome back, True Seeker. It is March 3rd, 3-3-2023, and CNN has a somewhat surprising top story today. Mystery surrounds cop's death. And this is in regards to Terrence Yankee, who was said to be the hero cop who saved three people's lives the day of the 95 Oklahoma City bombing, and who was found executed a little more than a year later, May 8th, 96, and the local government in Oklahoma City did everything to make sure nobody ever found out who killed Terrence Yankee. And, of course, last year we did go down to Oklahoma City. We met the great filmmaker who came on TFR, who made the documentary about the Oklahoma City bombing and who talks about Terrence Yankee's death and interviewed his family. And... You know, I, I, I haven't asked him to come back on the show. I would like to have him come back on because he also has some knowledge about the TWA flight that went down in New York before 9-11. But, um, yeah, again, he, he's a good guy, but he, he also just kind of shrugs his shoulders at Gematria like it could be a coincidence. And I'm going to show how, yet again, um, Gematria explains who killed this man. And, again, it is the secret societies that run this nation. D.C.'s the Masonic city where the Jesuits have been longer than the Masons or the Feds. And again, right behind the Oklahoma City Memorial is the Masonic Lodge that sold for $201,000. And we know exactly why it sold for that much. But we're going to break this all down. First, I just want to read CNN's lackluster reporting on the subject. And then we'll get to why they would bring this story up today. I mean, it's 2023. 2023. This happened in 96. Why bring this up on March 3rd, 3-3? The mystery of who murdered the hero cop. It reminds that McVeigh was put to death at age 33 by the state, right before 9-11, where the towers came down 33 years after they were erected. And of course, McVeigh said he was getting vengeance for David Koresh, who was killed at age 33. So here we are on 3-3. And Oklahoma City is before our eyes. And then if you turn on cable news and, you know, you got people saying, could we be on the verge of a black swan event like another type of 9-11? And now, again, for people who weren't alive, this was 9-11 before 9-11 happened. This was a shocking thing. There had never been anything like this really in America. 
And then, again, the guy who's responsible, who's a CIA agent, they the state just happens to put him to death right before 9-11, which was Oklahoma City on steroids. Okay, so CNN, here they are today. Why did this cop turn up dead? A heroic police officer rescued at least three people after the 95 Oklahoma City bombing. A year later, he was found shot in the head. Oh, shit. And I, if I'm not mistaken, the the state ruled it a suicide, even though he was tied up and executed. The same state that covered up what really happened in Oklahoma City. The same state that covered up what really happened on 9-11. The same state that covers up everything. And then if you look into it, the same state that's labeled you a conspiracy theorist. Anyway... Oklahoma City, the bombing memorial is a somber and beautiful place. If you guys missed what happened to me when I showed up there, maybe I'll get into that in this stream too. I showed up there last year to check it out. Never been to Oklahoma City before, and they were waiting for me. When I got to the museum, security camera would ask me if I was Zachary Hubbard. I said, yeah. And then immediately they went hands-on and shoved me off the premises. I was mind-blown. But anyway, the bombing memorial is a somber and beautiful place framed by two monuments called the Gates of Time. And we're going to get to what a ritual in time it is asking this question about Terrence Yankee today. The 901 gate commemorates the innocence before the explosion, which happened at 9.02 a.m. and became known as the deadliest act of domestic terrorism in U.S. history. By the way, from going down there last year and talking to people in the city, the explosion was so big that people could feel it 10 miles away. And they said this was some homemade fertilizer bomb. The 903 gate represents the moment healing began. But some survivors never healed. And don't forget, if you go watch the footage of the plane, the first Footage of the plane hitting the building on 9-11. It's at 9.02. And then you see the plane fly all the way through the building because it was CGI. But then after Facts. it's at 9.02, it ticks to 9.03 just seconds later. Project Blue Pretty much the same times with Oklahoma City. And remember, in Gematria, Manhattan's 92. And that number has a lot to do with big bombs. As in the periodic table and the ingredients in them. And then 903 is a lot like 93, the number of Saturn, the keeper of time, like how there was the 93 World Trade Center bombing, which was right before Waco, which is what Timothy McVeigh said he attacked Oklahoma City over. But anyway, the 903 gate represents the moment healing began. But some survivors never healed. With time, their suffering only got worse. This story is about one of those people. His name was Terry Yankee. He was an Oklahoma City police officer and a military veteran. Yankee saved at least three people from their wounds. At least three. And now we're hearing about him on 3-3. At least three people from the ruins of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building on April 19, 1995, the day a terrorist attack killed 168 people and injured hundreds of others. They, they say 19 of the 168 were children. Funny enough, in Gematria, New York City's 168, where the next event would happen, blamed on 19 hijackers, 19 years before COVID-19. 
Something happened to Yankee in those hours in the wreckage. He was badly shaken and his worldview seemed to change. In time, he grew suspicious and afraid. He ran afoul of his supervisors. He went on secret missions, withholding his motives and plans from fellow officers. He seemed to be conducting his own investigation. As the filmmaker told us last year, the FBI raided his um, his box at the bank where he was keeping his evidence after his death. Hmm. Wonder who killed him. And then, 385 days after the bombing, his body was found near some trees in a field off a country road. His wrists were cut. His neck was cut. He'd been shot through the head. Tortured, tortured, killed, and bound. And they ruled it a suicide. <laughs> the authorities said it was a suicide, but among those who knew Terry Yankee, not many believed he had killed himself. In a recent interview... His sister, Lashin Hargrove, said this, I think they murdered Terry because he knew too much. Hmm. And let's not forget that um, last year, because of our presence, they actually changed the memorial last year. And it was the first time they didn't hold it outside. Instead, they held it in the church across the street. And when we showed up, they had a big line of police in front of the church, even though it was a public memorial, they said if any of us tried to enter the church, we would be arrested. It's like, wow, we only came down here to share information. We're just looking for justice. And think about it, I mean, and, and while we were out there, there was a man on the corner who had a big sign for Terrence Yankee. Said, what about his justice? Whatever happened to him? But yeah, the, the police weren't looking into Terrence Yankee or interested in the information we had to share. They were just interested in suppression, suppressing the truth, suppressing the knowledge that I drove halfway across the country to share. Anyway, despite his bravery that day, Yankee did not see himself as a hero. Even among those who disagree on how Terry Yankee died, there's little or no dispute on these two points. One, the Oklahoma City Police Department planned to give him a Medal of Valor for his actions on the day of the bombing. Two, Yankee did not want the Medal of Valor. Much of this story hinges on why he didn't want the medal, but by any reasonable standard, he deserved it. Not long after the explosion, a maintenance worker lay under the rubble, willing himself to stay conscious. His name was Randy Ledger. Broken glass and in his jugular vein. Part of his face was missing. Ledger had been cleaning light fixtures in the federal building's child care center a few minutes before the bomb went off. Now, trapped by debris and bleeding to death, Ledger felt a strange weight on his lower body. He was buried so deeply that someone had stepped on his leg without knowing he was there. That someone turned out to be Yankee, the police officer who was about to save his life. Yankee was 29 years old, tall and muscular, well-known among colleagues for his strength and determination. On his way to back up a partner on a burglary in progress call one day, his patrol car broke down. It was over 100 degrees outside, but Yankee got out and ran the rest of the way. Another time when an angry crowd surrounded Yankee and a colleague and the ringleader tried to grab the other officer's badge, Yankee picked up the suspect, weighed him up like a pet, wadded him up like a paper napkin and threw him on the ground. The other officer, Larry Sproul, recalled. The rest of the mob quickly dispersed. 
Yankee was one of the first officers in the ruins of the Federal Building after the explosion, and he'd already saved at least two other people before he stumbled upon Randy Ledger. Yankee called for other rescuers, and together they dug Ledger out and helped him onto a backboard. Ledger drifted out of consciousness. Minutes later in the ambulance, he saw Yankee again. Now Yankee was getting treated too. He'd fallen and hurt his back while carrying Ledger to safety. Ledger needed 12 pints of blood and multiple surgeries to repair his face. He recently turned 66, and he still thinks of the bombing almost every day. Now, I want you to notice they didn't talk about the other two people he saved, right? They didn't talk about them, but they're talking about the man who recently turned 66. As we'll get to, the name Jumatra, the officer, is 66, and they've published this story exactly 66 days before the anniversary of his death. He recently turned 66, and he still thinks of the bombing almost every day. Little things bring the memory back. A musty smell, a news report, a yellow truck on the highway, and when Ledger recalls the bombing, he sometimes thinks of Terry Yankee. He feels gratitude and sadness. As for the official story that Yankee killed himself, Ledger finds it unconvincing. There's too many unanswered questions, he said recently. Brandon Spann, now as an administrative assistant at the Canadian County Sheriff's Office, played basketball with Yankee and knew many of the same people Yankee knew. He said that in the black community of El Reno, a town northwest of Oklahoma City where Yankee grew up, the official story never took hold. No one believed that he killed himself, Spann said. Three of Yankee's fellow Oklahoma City police officers also shared their doubts in interviews with CNN. Jim Ramsey won a medal for bravery on the day of the bombing and previously patrolled the streets with Yankee. Here's how he responded in late 2022 when asked if he believed what the authorities said about Yankee's death. No, Ramsey said. I guess I don't. I still don't believe Terry did it, said Steve Vassar, one of Yankee's closest friends on the force. I have just a hard time believing that Terry would take his life. Don Browning served the Oklahoma City PD for 28 years and helped with Yankee's initial police training. Here's what Browning said about Yankee. I still think he was murdered. They found blood in Yankee's car, but no autopsy was conducted on his body. A CNN investigation found several anomalies surrounding Yankee's death, along with a lack of transparency by the authorities. Although Yankee apparently died from a gunshot wound to the head, no autopsy was performed. Medical examiners can sometimes choose not to perform an autopsy when suicide is suspected and the cause of death is not in dispute. According to Dr. Joyce DeJong, president of the National Association of Medical Examiners, but three former law enforcement officials familiar with Yankee case said they thought an autopsy should have been done. When asked why there were no autopsy on Yankee, an Oklahoma City Police Department spokesman, Master Sergeant Gary Knight, referred a reporter to the state medical examiner's office whose director of operations, Kerry Learned, wrote, our office does not answer case-specific questions. his date of birth November 9th his date of death May 8th as we'll get to the Oklahoma City Police Department took over the investigation of Yankee's death even though his body was found outside the city limits in adjacent Canadian County to the west when CNN asked what gave the city's police department legal justification to take over the case Knight wrote back that he didn't know 
The precise location where Yankee's body was found has never been publicly disclosed, and basic information about the death scene is unclear. The police department declined multiple requests to release its full investigative report on the case. The redacted two-page report released by OCPD in response to CNN's records request does not say whether a gun was found at the scene, much less what kind of gun killed Yankee, or whether it was subjected to fingerprinting or ballistics tests. Both Knight and Police Chief Wade Gurley declined to be interviewed about Yankee's death. There is absolutely no harder physical evidence whatsoever to support Yankee was murdered, Knight, a police academy a classmate who considered Yankee a friend, wrote in an email to CNN. Anyone who suggests the Oklahoma City Police Department participated in the cover-up of the murder of one of its most popular officers is engaging in fool's folly. Yankee's car, yeah, a maroon right. Ford Probe Coupe, was found abandoned near Fort Reno Road in Canadian County around 6 p.m. on May 18, 1996, according to a sheriff's report. The car was locked and the windows were rolled up. A deputy looked inside and saw a Bible, an empty gun holster, a razor blade, and a large amount of blood. Yankee's body was eventually found about half a mile away, the police said. A medical examiner's report noted multiple superficial incised wounds to Yankee's wrist, neck, and some word I don't know, anticubital fossa, the inner crook of the arm. I guess here. Although there was no autopsy, the report listed a probable cause of death, gunshot wound to head. And the prevailing narrative, if the prevailing narrative is correct, Yankee cut his own wrists, arms, and neck with razor blades, bled heavily in his car, and then walked or ran about a half mile into either a field or a grove of trees <laughs> where, he was sh where he shot himself to death. Right. There was no suicide note. The absence of a note was among several reasons people wondered what might have pushed Yankee towards suicide. In statements to the news media after his death, the police had two answers for that. One possible factor was turmoil in Yankee's personal life. He had been married with two young daughters, but he and his wife, Tanya, divorced in late 95. Yankees. In court records, Tanya wrote that he choked her and threatened to shoot her, himself, and one of their daughters. She had repeatedly applied for protective orders against him, and in February of 95, about 15 months before Terry's death, a judge had ordered Terry to have no contact with Tanya except regarding visitation and the welfare of their daughters. Did the repercussions from domestic violence play a role in Yankee's death? Yankee's friend and colleague Steve Vassar told CNN he once read Oklahoma City Police Department's full investigative report on Yankee's death. According to Vassar, the report said Major Steve Upchurch called Yankee short before his death, shortly before his death, told him Tanya had reported him for violating the protective order, told Yankee he was being placed on administrative leave, and told Yankee another officer was coming to take away Yankee's gun and badge. But even if Vassar correctly remembers what was in the report, which has never been released, those details are contested. Major Upchurch told CNN in a phone interview he had no recollection of making such a call to Yankee. He said he didn't remember Yankee having any trouble with his ex-wife before his death, and he said he didn't remember anything about Yankee being in trouble with his superiors. Besides that, Tanya vehemently denied reporting him for a protective order violation in 96. In interviews with the author Craig Roberts, the tapes of which were reviewed by CNN, Tanya Yankee said she and Terry Yankee were on good terms before his death. She said they regularly saw each other, and he had recently asked her about getting remarried. She had not said yes, but she had not said no. In Yankee's death, 
was unrelated if Yankee's death was unrelated to a troubled relationship or to fears of losing his job that left another potential cause put forth to the news media by the police department. Yankee was depressed about the bombing. News coverage after Yankee's death depicted a man haunted by what he'd seen in the rubble and act with guilt that he couldn't save more lives. There are some people that like to be heroes and some that don't. One of Yankee's supervisors, Lieutenant Joe Ann Randall, said, as quoted by the Associated Press in 96, he was not one that wanted that. Why didn't Terry Yankee want the Medal of Valor? There was another possible reason, and of and for those who said he was murdered, that reason was a crucial part of the His story. His probably found out it wasn't Timothy McVeigh that They're not him. telling the truth, Yankee said. In a brief phone conversation last November, Yankee's ex-wife, Tanya, told CNN she still believed Yankee had been murdered. Then she stopped answering the reporter's calls. But Tanya's story was captured in 98 in two recorded interviews with Craig Roberts, a former police officer who was researching the Oklahoma City bombing. One was a private phone interview, and the other was for a radio broadcast. After reviewing the tapes, CNN found corroboration for some of Tanya's claims. On the day of the bombing, Tanya said she got a phone call. It was someone at Presbyterian Hospital telling her Terry was there. His back was injured when he fell while carrying Randy Ledger, and now Terry needed someone to pick him up. So Tanya picked him up from the hospital, and in the car she says he started to cry. Tanya, it's not what they're saying it is, he told her. They're not telling the truth. They're lying about what's going on down there. Terry was disturbed by what he'd seen in the ruins of the federal building. And not just because he'd walked into an unfathomable, unfathomable human tragedy. Terry was convinced there was more to the story of the bombing, some other piece of, some other piece the authorities were withholding. He was not the only one who believed this. Federal authorities said Timothy McVeigh, a 26-year-old Army veteran who hated the government, caused the explosion by parking a rented rider truck near the federal building and setting off timed fuses that detonate a bomb made of agricultural fertilizer, diesel fuel, and other chemicals. Two more men, Terry Nichols and Michael Fortier, were also prosecuted in connection with the case. In the months and years that followed, a stubborn contingent of skeptics pursued other angles to the story. Some of them had either survived the bombing or lost loved ones because of it. They insisted that government officials were somehow culpable. It was a botched sting operation, they said, or perhaps the government permitted or even orchestrated the bombing for political advantage. The government denied these allegations, of course, and still does. By the way, guys, as we'll get to, we'll go back and look at how Joe Biden passed the nation's first counterterrorism legislation on February 10th, which was the sitting governor of Oklahoma's birthday, Keating. And let's not forget his brother wrote the book, The Final Jihad, where a Tom McVeigh is a character in a book where the same building is blown up in the same way in a moving truck that's full of fertilizer. Uh, again, it's just that, 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 like, if CNN was writing a real article, all of this would be in there, you know? And, and that is part of the reason they're bringing this up in the time of the Joe Biden administration. Again, he's very much connected to this. So we'll break it all down here as soon as we're done with the article. The government denied these allegations, of course, and still does. This was probably the FBI's finest moment, Bob Ricks, who was a special agent in charge of the FBI's Oklahoma City field office in 95, said in a recent interview referring to the bombing investigation. Still, there is something about the case that makes people want to keep investigating. There were multiple reports of prior warnings given to some federal employees of, 
of an identified second suspect in the Ryder truck and of additional explosives that allegedly contributed to the blast. It's like, again, I mean, there's all kinds of evidence that there were other bombs all over the place that hadn't detonated. So it's just like, where's the real journalism? It's 20-some years later. These are facts. Why are these not reading about, like, instead of allegedly? It's like the, the information and evidence is out there. There were other bombs around the building that did not detonate. And it goes to show that the official story is nothing but bunk. It's just like how Google over in recent years has deleted all of the videos that existed on its platform, YouTube, for over a decade of the firemen after 9-11 who were saying that bombs were going off in the lower part of the building before the collapse. Again, those videos used to be all over the Internet. I'm sure they're still out there if you scour, but they used to be easily found on Google, on YouTube. So you can see how our government and the things it subsidizes like Google all actively work together to erase history and erase facts and keep people's head in the clouds so they don't see what's going on. Again, it's evidence that 95, there's tons of real evidence that the 95 federal building in Oklahoma City, the official story is a huge lie and cover up, just like it's the same thing with 9-11. And then meanwhile, the average American who doesn't look into anything and only watches cable news and reads reports like this from CNN they're like, well, CNN didn't report it, so I don't know. I think it's a conspiracy theory. It's like, it's just so easy to uh, to keep the wool over the eyes of the masses. Still, there is something about the case that makes people want to keep investigating. There were multiple reports of prior warnings given to some federal employees of an unidentified second. Oh, we just read that second suspect and writer and additional explosives at the site. Rick said those reports were false. Again, they're not false. There's evidence out there that shows that that's exactly what was the case. Rick said those reports were false and started laughing when a reporter asked about them. And isn't that how it always is? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just get, just get some asshole to just do that and be like, oh, it must be false then. But in 97, more than 10,000 Oklahoma County residents signed a petition to convene a grand jury to examine the bombing. Even after the grand jury dismissed allegations of additional suspects and prior knowledge by the government, a band of citizens kept digging into the mystery. Led by former Oklahoma State Rep. Charles Key, the Oklahoma Bombing Investigation Committee issued its own report, which filled more, which filed, excuse me, more than 500 pages and told a story at odds with the one that emerged at McVeigh's trial. Explosive experts, including retired Air Force Brigadier General Benton Parton, reviewed the case and said McVeigh's bomb alone could not have caused that much damage. There is a strong evidence that demolition charges were in the building, <clears throat> Parton wrote, in a letter to a prosecutor in 97, irrespective of the size of the truck bomb. For his part, Terry Yakey believes some government employees had lied about their whereabouts during the bombing. Associates, associates said Yankee was surprised to see so many federal agents apparently dressed in riot gear on the scene moments after the blast, and he had questions about the source of the explosion. According to his sister, LaShawn Hargrove, you know how they said the truck bomb blew in? He saw evidence of blowing out or signs of a blast that appeared to have come from inside the building. A few days after the bombing, Tanya said, Terry asked her to drive him back to the federal building. He wanted to go at night when he couldn't be seen as easily. We did go down there probably between 9.30 and 10, and he said that we were going to go look underneath where the daycare had been, she said. There was something he wanted to see over there and get a picture if possible. 
As we went down there, we were stopped, and I can't remember which personnel it was, but I know def definitely it was either ATF or FBI, and Terry had attempted to badge his way through, and the guy told him no. And he said something a little more specific, like, you know, you're not supposed to be back down here. It made me realize the two of them recognized each other, and the interaction was very antagonistic. I think had I not been with Terry, he would have said a little more to the man and maybe been a little more forceful about getting through. But it seemed like he thought better about it since I was with him, and we left. Tanya says Terry wrote a detailed report for the police department, perhaps nine pages long. She didn't know what was in the report, but one day he came to the house furious, telling her the report had disappeared. And now his superiors were telling him to write another report, only one page long, leaving out most of what he'd written before. About two weeks after the bombing, she says, she got a phone call from one of Terry's supervisors. And she was being pretty hostile, pretty aggressive, and asked me where Terry was, Tanya said. She said, you tell Terry that if he doesn't get that, that other report in, that he's going to be reprimanded. Did an officer's report on the bombing disappear? A spokesman for the Oklahoma City Police Department declined to answer this or other questions or an extensive list sent by CNN. Knight said most of the questions on the list were requested by, for materials that were not an open record. But Tonya's account is consistent with a story another Oklahoma City police officer told. Steve Vassar said he was downtown a few minutes before the bombing and saw the infamous Ryder truck. Officially, Timothy McVeigh was alone when he drove the truck to the federal building. But others have said he had an accomplice that morning and Vassar said he saw another person in the truck. I'm going to tell you right now, he said, as God, as my witness, there were two people. He's standing at the memorial. Vassar says that although he wrote this account in one of the supplemental reports on the bombing, no investigator ever questioned him about what he'd seen. Years later, he searched for his reports in the Oklahoma City Police Department's computer system. He says he saw hundreds of other reports about the bombing and its aftermath, but he couldn't find his own reports. They were gone, he said. They were not in the system as if I never was there. On the day he died, Yankee said he was on his way to a mysterious meeting. In his final weeks, Terry seemed afraid. Tanya said he showed up at her house at odd hours trying to make plans. He wanted me to leave in the middle of the night with him, she said. Right then, he said, we need to get remarried. Don't ask me questions. This is the only way I can make sure you and the girls are taken care of in the event that something happens to me. Tanya said she reported his behavior to the police. He did not appear suicidal, and she did not accuse him of violating a protective order, she said, but she was worried about him because he'd been saying his days were numbered. One day in May of 96, he showed up at her house and put a VCR in her car without explaining why. The VCR had a tape in it, but she didn't get a chance to watch it. Terry was talking about insurance papers. He left and said he would be back. She never saw him again. Shortly before his death, Terry also visited her sister, Vicki, and her husband, Glenn, in El Reno, the town northwest of Oklahoma City, where Terry and Vicki grew up. Vicki and Glenn have both died since then, but another sister, LaShawn Hargrove, said they told her about the encounter. Terry was exhausted, upset, crying. He said he needed to sleep, and they encouraged him to take a nap there, which he did. Afterwards, he calmed down, but he was talking about the bombing and the official story with which he disagreed. According to LaShawn, he told his sister and brother-in-law, it's just not what they say it is. They asked him to tell them more, but he said he couldn't. There was someone else Terry saw near the end, Ramona McDonald, whom he'd met in the rubble of the federal building. 
This account is drawn from an interview she's gave in CNN in January, as well as tape, a tape, taped interview with the author Craig Roberts in 1998. McDonald eventually left Oklahoma City and changed her name, a decision she attributed in part to trauma related to the bombing and to Yankee's death. McDonald was a businesswoman who'd been downtown when the bomb went off. She helped publish a book, Angels Over Oklahoma City, that named and honored hundreds of first responders from around the country who converged in Oklahoma City after the bombing. This is uh, the wall out in front of the memorial where people come and leave things as a tribute to the victims. While volunteering in the rescue and recovery effort, McDonald also met survivors who questioned the official story. Her home became a meeting place for those people and a clearinghouse for pictures and other evidence they gathered. She said that evidence included a copy of Terry Yankee's full report from the day of the bombing, the one his supervisors had allegedly suppressed. According to McDonald, two men came to her house sometime after the bombing. She believed they were federal agents. They said they were with... They were with a task force that was investigating the bombing, and they spent hours examining her collection of pictures. The last day McDonald was, saw Yankee, she says, they sat down and had coffee together. He was talking about an appointment. From his description of the men he was supposed to meet, she believed they were the same two men who'd been at her house. The men from the task force seemed keenly interested in the evidence about the bombing. They wanted Terry to bring what he'd gathered, pictures, video, documents. Yankee seemed conflicted about whether to meet with the men. He sensed danger, and these misgivings led him to take a strange precaution. McDonald said Yankee went to the meeting unarmed so no one could meet, could use his own gun against him. On the other hand, if the men really were investigating the bombing, this could be Yankee's big chance. Finally, someone with authority was going to listen to him. He decided to bring them the evidence, McDonald said. The men wanted to meet Yankee and El Reno at or near the federal prison. Yankee left McDonald's house, apparently on his way to the meeting. She never saw him again. It was later that day when someone called to say he was dead. His body was found west of El Reno, about two miles from the federal prison. It was a lonely, windswept place with tall grass under a big sky. Past the barbed wire fence off Fort Reno Road, where Yankee's car was found, a stream runs north and east toward a grove of trees and an old graveyard. Tanya said Terry would never have gone there willingly. He knew that land, and it made him afraid. I remember him at one point in time saying that lots of bad things went on over there, she said. He wouldn't have been caught, oh, excuse me. I was getting ready to say he wouldn't have been caught dead there, but I guess he was. Mama, they executed him. Terry Yankee's body was found on a Wednesday night. The bombing was also on a Wednesday. It's the day of the week named after Mercury. We'll get to why that matters. By Thursday morning, an Oklahoma City police captain had already told the Associated Press it appeared Yankee had killed himself. That was almost 27 years ago. Ever since then, Yankee's death has been officially called a suicide. Tonya said she met with the police chief and told him she disagreed with that conclusion. She said she tried without success to arrange for an autopsy. She said local attorneys refused to take her case. She said one told her it'd be best for me and my family just to leave it alone. It's like, what justice system? That's how it is. Anytime you need some actual justice against the system, nobody's willing to help. 
LaShawn Hargrove said that when she and her sister met with a police detective and raised questions about their brother's death, the detective suggested they needed psychiatric help, getting treated like they're crazy. Don Browning, one of the officers who questioned the circumstances of Yankee's death, was especially disturbed by the lack of an autopsy. How dare you not do an autopsy on an unattended death or of a police officer, he said. According to Browning, he appeared before the grand jury investigating the bombing and confronted a prosecutor about the strange details of Yankee's death. Browning said the prosecutor dismissed him and apparently took no action in the case. Craig Roberts, a former Marine sniper who later became a Tulsa police officer and book author, stumbled upon the Yankee case while looking into the Oklahoma City bombing. He wrote letters asking the Oklahoma City Police Department to open a new investigation into Yankee's death. Though it was originally written up as a suicide, he wrote in 2006, I feel the evidence and facts points to a torture homicide. Roberts wrote that Yankee's entrance wound suggested the presence of a silencer. He wrote that the bullet's trajectory would be consistent to one fired execution style into the skull of a kneeling victim. He wrote, there were multiple cuts on his wrists, inner elbows, and jugular veins. If he was going to shoot himself, why would he cut himself so many times? About a month later, police chief William City wrote back to reports, back to Roberts. I find nothing in the investigator's case investigators case files or from the information you have provided that changes the finding of suicide the chief did not answer the questions roberts raised in his letter including whether a gun was found at the scene whether it was yankee's gun whether the fatal bullet was even found or whether any ballistics tests were done to link the bullet and the gun the roberts letter also raised the question of what happened to terry yankee's documents after he died Tanya said Terry kept some documents from his investigation at a storage unit in Kingfisher, a small city northwest of Oklahoma City, but whatever was there is not there any longer. Robert said the documents were not in Yankee's car when it was found by the roadside. It would appear that this tragic event centers on what Terry Yankee had in his files, Roberts wrote to the police chief, and who wanted to make sure those files were never discovered. After Terry's death, Tanya said she saw signs of a burglary at her home. She noticed various items out of place. Terry had left a VCR for her, but it disappeared. She never got a chance to see what was on the tape. Isn't that funny that she didn't watch the tape? It's like, I feel like if somebody did that for me, I'd be like, I'm going to take the time to watch the tape right now. Likewise, Ramona McDonald said her house was burglarized after Yankee's death. Much of her bombing-related evidence was taken. I suppose she could have also seen what was on the tape, and for her own safety, she just said, oh, I never saw what was on the tape. I don't have a clue what was on that tape. When Terry's family visited his apartment after his death, it looked as if it had been ransacked. There was paper scattered around, his sister LaShawn said, and you could tell somebody had been in there, like, looking for something. Both LaShawn and Tanya believe there were, they were under surveillance after Terry's death. They said they were shadowed by strange vehicles and they were clicking, there were clicking sounds when they talked on the phone. Shortly after Terry's death, several relatives went looking for the place his body had been discovered. LaShawn says they found it near some trees in a field past a barbed wire fence off of Fort Reno Road. There were signs of activity on the ground as if this had been a crime scene, but they noticed something strange. Some of the earth was freshly disturbed, apparently by shovels, as if whatever had been on the surface was now buried. Most troubling of all was that the condition of Terry's body. 
Although the available medical examiner's reports described only a gunshot wound to the head and superficial cuts elsewhere, Tanya said sources within the law enforcement community told her Terry's body showed evidence of having been either tied or handcuffed and of having been dragged across the ground. She said she was told Terry had bruises on his wrist, rope burns on his ankles, dirt and grass in his wounds. CNN asked the Oklahoma City Police Department about these details, but a department spokesman declined to answer the questions. LaShawn Hargrove said her mother viewed Terry's body at the funeral home. She said a funeral director tried to discourage her from looking at the body, but her mother said, no, I need to see my baby. Her mother, who has since died, later told LaShawn that Terry's head was enlarged and disfigured, and he didn't just have cuts on his arms and neck. LaShawn said her mother reported seeing what happened to be ligature marks. LaShawn tried to imagine what that meant. It seemed to her that Terry had been tortured, hanged, put on his knees, and shot to death. Mama, she recalled saying, they executed him. Sergeant Terrence Yankee was buried the same day he posthumously received the medical of valor he did not want. Among those at his funeral was Richard Williams, a man whose life he had saved. After the bombing, Williams was trapped in the rubble with only his arms sticking out. Yankee came by, felt for a pulse, did not detect one, and moved on to look for other survivors. Later he returned, realized Williams was alive, freed him from the wreckage, and brought him to safety. Then he went on to his next rescue. A picture taken that morning shows the officer in action. He has sweat on his brow, blood on his shirt, dust on his shoes. Terry Yankee is running toward the danger. So, again, CNN, you know, they, they made it so that the reader can uh, take away one of two scenarios. Either he lost his mind over what he saw that day and became a uh, paranoid conspiracy theorist, which led him to his own suicide, or there was a cover-up and he was murdered for trying to bring awareness to what really happened and uh, again what people need to know about cnn it is it is a major part of these operations it is part of the creation of the propaganda whoever runs cnn what's his face can't think of his name right now turner i don't even know he's he's the puppet i think i don't think he really runs cnn but uh, again cnn just to make my point 9-11 where, where did the first footage come of the plane hitting the tower again there's no real evidence the plane ever hit a tower that day guys go back and just look at the explosions and see how massive the explosions are outwards no planes ever crashed in history and there's just been some huge explosion that's like a bomb or a missile but uh it was cnn who first broke the footage of the planes and then the other news networks shared it and uh, again cnn works by the code just like the cabal does again the cabal that name comes from kabbalah in kabbalah it stated that god created the world with numbers letters and words just like how this article begins talking about the numbers and the time and they got to make a big point about so you can know exactly when it happened and what the minute was everybody's ages is covered again these are the clues that numbers are so important to the rituals and look how perfect this is look at how perfect it is today is 66 days before the anniversary of his death. And the article's about how did he really die. Terrence Yankee, 66. They skipped all the people that he saved except for one, and they focused on how he just turned 66 years old. We just read the article. 
So the only only person that he saved whose age they mentioned was the 66-year-old, and then the article's published today, exactly 66 days before the death anniversary. And notice he's born November 9th, which is interesting. You know, it's the day the Berlin Wall fell, towers fell on the other 9-11-11-9 day, September 11th, which, again, came three months after the execution of CIA agent Timothy McVeigh. But... Um, Notice that from what would have been his last birthday anniversary to today is exactly 23 weeks, right? And here we are in 2023, 23 weeks. Um, It's also the 27-year anniversary of his death this year. Notice his name in Gematria, 27 forwards and backwards, just like Rituals 27. And beyond that, again, if you're new here, Gematria. Look how perfect all this is. There are four base ciphers if you're new here. The alphabetic order, the alphabetic order with numerology, the reverse alphabetic order, the reverse alphabetic order with numerology. Out of the four ciphers, the most important one is this one. The same one where we just typed out Terrence Yankee and saw it was 66. Okay? Alphabetic order with numerology is how you get that. Again, this came right after the nation's first counterterrorism legislation passed on February 10th, 95 by Joe Biden. And again, that was on the birthday of the governor of Oklahoma, Keating. Notice where masonry is 33, Freemasonry is 58, right? So is secret society, 58. Again, huge number with the Masonic rituals over and over. 33 and 58. They just did this with uh, Tyree Nichols. Again, Tyree Nichols beaten by the police. They compared it to Rodney King on 3-3. The uh, clock captures his beating at 33 minutes past the hour. But just 33 and 58. These numbers together so often. 9-11. When 9-11 happened, three buildings fell. Right, First, the Twin Towers fell, and then eight hours later, the Solomon Brothers building fell. Solomon's Temple equals 58. The Solomon Brothers building, the third building to fall. Solomon's Temple is where all of Freemasonry's secrets are. And again, the World Trade Centers were erected in 68. They came down in 2001, 33 years later. And um, again, Federal 33, Secrecy 33, Masonry 33. Uh, false flag 33 which is terminology from pirates and pirates 33 and part of the templar history is when they became pirates at sea after they were burned at the stake in france and uh, again the templars are the old military order of the catholic church now the current military order of the catholic church are the jesuits a very special day to the jesuits is april 19th because that's the day ignatius loyola became the first superior general and their purpose was to counter the 95 theses, like the Oklahoma City building bombing being in 95 on April 19th. But again, Templars, pirates, Jesuits, Jesuits created modern Freemasonry. This is where all these things fit together. And besides this cipher, um, the most simple cipher is just taking the alphabetic order without numerology. He was murdered in 96, right? See how Freemasons 96? He was also killed 181 days after his birthday, which is the 42nd prime number. So killed in 96, 
in a distance of days from his birthday that connects to 42, which is a whole other story because it's stamped all over black history. But um, the base ciphers, which is just the alphabetic order, the alphabetic order with numerology, the reverse alphabetic order, the reverse alphabetic order with numerology, you'll see that they commonly refer to him as Terry Yankee as well. You see how the value of that is 158, 59, 139, 58? And again, he was killed on 5A. Look at Freemasonry. Freemasonry. 59, 158, 58, 139. The exact same numbers, just forwards and backwards is the difference. And in case you are new here, if you look at the Masonic Lodge behind the memorial, it last sold for $201,000. That is the number of the Jesuit order. It's why Pope Francis, the first Jesuit pope, is the first to live in suite 201 at the Vatican. But Ignatius Loyola is 201. Again, he that's his day, April 19th. That's the day he became the first superior general of the Jesuits, recognized by the Roman Catholic Church. Pope Francis, who's the first Jesuit pope and the first to live in suite 201, his birth name, Jorge Mario Bergoglio, is 201. Looking at the Jesuit history, they were saved by Catherine the Great, who preserved the order of 201 Jesuit priests. Anyhow, Timothy McVeigh, who the bombings blamed on, 201. Terry Lynn Nichols, his accomplice, 201. Um, what is it, a Mercury Marquis. A Mercury Marquis is what they were arrested in. They, they so cleverly planned it, but then they drove off in a car that didn't have a license plate. I mean, please. They, they say the plate was blown off by the explosion, I'm sure. I'm sure the car wasn't damaged, but the plate was blown off. Mercury Marquis 201. Mercury is the trickster. It happened on a Wednesday, the day of the week named after Mercury. Um, oh, shoot. My amnesia is setting in. Um, the guy who was put to death that day, is it is it Richard Snell? Yeah, Richard Snell 201. Richard Snell was executed the day of the 95 bombing in Oklahoma City, and he was on death row for trying to blow up the same building. Go figure. And then if you look into it, they use the guy's middle initial. Robert G. Millar is supposedly who radicalized Timothy McVeigh, who worked for the CIA. And let's not forget the CIA was established on the 201st day of the Pope's age. Catholic Pope also equals 201. And the words in the Central Intelligence Agency's logo, Central Intelligence Agency, United States of America, 201. CIA motto, I always forget it. The work of a nation, the center of intelligence. Guess what it equals? 201. McVeigh put to death right before 9-11, where two towers, the twin towers, became zero before eventually they became one. And um, don't forget that McVeigh was sentenced to death on June 13th. That's the day leaving 201 days left in the year. That's the day he was sentenced to death. Not the day he was put to death, but the day he was sentenced to death. June 13th. And um, for the record, capital punishment is 201. And for the record, what symbolizes capital punishment in the Jesuit order's logo are the three nails, which Jesus was supposedly crucified with. Triclavianism is what those three nails represent, which is also 201. And uh, again, right across the street, right across the street from the bombing is the Catholic Church. And... Um, the Catholic Church put out a statue titled, And Jesus Wept, in tribute to the bombing. Notice how And Jesus Wept is 68. Notice how in that same cipher, Catholicism 68, so is mathematics, so is solar system. Remember, the word terror is 68. 
And from the day of the nation's first counterterrorism legislation, February 10th, 95, to the bombing, April 19th, was 68 days later. Just like how McVeigh was born in 68, they had his murder trial in Denver, 68. But uh, the World Trade Centers, they opened on the 94th day of 73. They were the Construction began in 68, the same year 911 was made the National Emergency Dialing Code by AT&T. And with regards to AT&T making 911 the National Emergency Dialing Code, the AT&T building overlooks the Oklahoma City bombing site in OKC, and that building turned 68 years old the year of the Oklahoma City bombing. The AT&T building turned 68 that year. And again, in 68, they made 911 the National Emergency Dialing Code. Now, notice terror also equals 41, because the first counterterrorism legislation was on... The 41st day of the year, February 10th, 68 days before the 109th day of the year, which is April 19th, which fateful day in history, going all the way back to the Revolutionary War. And by the way, 109th day of the year, Military 109, which no doubt Oklahoma City was the work of the military, just like 9-11 was. You know, PSYOPs units. But um, counterterrorism. Check out the Gematria. Counterterrorism, 201. See the 102? Don't forget uh, before two towers became zero, before they eventually became one, exactly 102 days earlier, uh, our federal government simulated the 9-11 attack with cruise missiles hitting targets like the World Trade Centers, which is probably what actually hit the World Trade Centers on 9-11 because those explosions were huge. But exactly 102 days earlier, and in Jewish Gematria, Al-Qaeda is 102, and so is Art of War and... That was translated by a Jesuit priest, Father Amiot. We ain't talking text, but yeah. either. And, and with regards to Joe Biden in 201, let, let's not forget what happened to his wife and daughter in 72. They died on Limestone Road right after he became senator-elect, 201. Limestone's what the pyramids were made out of. 201 remaining layers of stone on the Great Pyramid of Giza, which in Gematria also equals 201 which is the symbol of the Illuminati, which was founded by the Jesuit Adam Weishaupt, who titled it Order of Illuminati, which equals 201, only to die in history 201 days after the anniversary of its establishment. But then coming back to Joe Biden, um, notice how Illuminati's 150, Order of Illuminati's 201. Joe Biden's son, Bo Biden, died on the 150th day of the year, 201 days before the Pope's birthday. Again, the first Pope to live in Suite 201, Pope Francis, and then inaugurated on January 20th, or 20-1, which is the 201st day of the nation's age each year, because if you measure from July 4th to January 20th, it's the 201st day of the nation's age. And again, Leo Jeremiah O'Donovan, 201. That's the Jesuit priest who did Bo Biden's funeral at age 46 before he did Joe Biden's inauguration as number 46 on 20-1. And let's not forget, Trump's also a Jesuit, and his wife just died in a big, his ex-wife just died in a big 201 ritual. So don't think it's just Biden. And, and don't forget that when Oklahoma City happened, Keating was the governor who's Jesuit educated, and Bill Clinton was the president who's Jesuit educated. And check this out. If you just write out Central Intelligence Agency, the first half of the words in their logo, when Oklahoma City blew up, it was 243 days after Bill Clinton's birthday. In exactly 117 weeks after he took office. And um, the Jennifer Flowers girl, how does she spell her name again? Check this out. Remember that this was the hot news back then, that, that uh, 
Biden had had an affair with Jennifer Flowers. Her birthday is January 24th. Look at this. Look at this. January 24th. This was the bombshell back then. Before the bombs went off. 85 days after her birthday or her 86th day of her age. A number familiar to big bombs. Think Hiroshima on 8-6. But check out the gematria of Jennifer Flowers. Bombshell story. Boom. 86th day of her age. And where's Jennifer Flowers from? Where's she from? She's from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. You see what they're doing, you guys? They said that explosion could be felt from over 10 miles away. That's not a fertilizer bomb in a truck. A bomb that you feel 10 miles away is a serious bomb. Remember the big Jesuit joke of the bomb that went off in Beirut on Barack's birthday when the last time we heard about an explosion in Beirut was the barracks bombing? Then on Barack's birthday, and, and let's not forget that was 201 days from Michelle's birthday either. Notice how when you write out the Jesuit order, it's 201 and 84. Obama's birthday is 84. The bomb went off on 84. But they said that that explosion was felt like with a 10-mile radius as well. So a 20-mile blast area. I mean, these are serious bombs. And, and let's not forget that they said in Beirut it was a fireworks warehouse. If you don't know about the Jesuits, they supposedly tried to blow up British Parliament with fireworks. It's what Guy Fox Day is all about. A day that was made famous through the movie V for Vendetta with the Guy Fox mask. But yeah, it just what a sick joke. And you know, whoever wrote the article, I, I doubt they're in on the code. The article was probably finished being written some time ago. But then CNN knows exactly what day to publish it for more news by the numbers. How about that headline next to it? Russia may run out of money in 2024. Oh, I wonder why 24 and the ongoing New World Order ritual that's making the energy companies super rich, making mom and pop poor. If you guys don't know, the whole Russia-Ukraine's a huge 201 ritual. Again, I'll remind you, Biden went to the European Union. Check it out. 201 days from his birthday, and he said, Putin, don't you dare go into Russia-Ukraine, or don't you dare go into Ukraine. And then, oh, I must have got some mail. Then, then, 201 days after the first Jesuit Ignatian year began on Pearl Harbor Day of all days, Biden and Putin met about Russia-Ukraine conflict with, again, Biden telling Putin not to go in. And then, on the anniversary of the first day of the Catholic calendar, which is the one we're on named after the Pope, Russia goes into the Donbass region, the 201 region, starting the whole military thing on February 24th. If you didn't know that, the, the Gregorian calendar debuted in history on February 24th. Again, the Jesuits serve the Catholic Church. But um, exactly one year to the day of Putin, uh, well, it's, again, it's 201 days after Biden's birthday, but one year to the day of him warning Putin not to go into Ukraine, one year to the day, the, the headline... The top headline for that day was that Russia had completely taken over the Donbass region. <laughs> 201 days after Biden's birthday. Jesuit Joe from the town of Scranton, Pennsylvania, where the office ran for 201 episodes. And then let's not forget what they just did out here in the Pacific Northwest with the murders on 1122 King Road on the King's birthday. Only for the killer to be in apartment G201. And then they arrest him in Scranton, Biden's hometown, where the office ran for 201 episodes. The office, the Oval Office, before Trump took 
the office of presidency. He was the apprentice, which is the degree in masonry. No, what's going on with the post office person? But um, yeah, again, just about the whole 58 thing. Freemasonry 58, Trump, the winner of the 58th presidential election, announced he was running from the 58-story Trump Tower. And then Hillary put out her book, What Happened, about why she lost. I can't figure out what's going on with the male person. She's going back and forth. She's outside by herself with a COVID mask on. It's like, what's wrong with people? You're not even interacting with anyone. <sighs> Don't forget Event 201. Don't ever forget Event 201 put on by Klaus Schwab and his sidekick Bill Gates, born William Henry Gates, who used to be married to the woman who was from a family of Jesuit priests had the same birthday as the Jesuit order. I'm talking about William Henry Gates, 201. But uh, if you don't know about event 201, look that one up. Same mainstream media that puts out news by the numbers. Same mainstream media that still to this day, maybe in 27 years, you guys, I could see it in 27 years. 27 years later, CNN. Did you know about event 201 just before the coronavirus pandemic simulation? Think it could have been a conspiracy theory? All right. Shout out to Nathan. Nathan chipped in a big fat $10 bill. Again, Nathan, you don't have to do that. Both titles, the Oklahoman and the North Face, 123 and 201. Um, I'm glad Nathan brought that up because when we were at Oklahoma City last year, I thought it was a coincidence. I didn't, I didn't realize in real time the gematria of the North Face, the brand, like the clothing brand. They say the North Face of the building was blown off. That's the terminology they use there. And I didn't quite, I didn't realize that when I went there last year. I didn't realize that that's what was part of the terminology, what happened. But the news team that was out there covering it that day, every single person on the news team was wearing North Face gear. And I just thought that was kind of weird, but I was like, maybe they just sponsor the news here. But my guess is that they don't always just wear North Face gear. And, and I'm not saying that the news people realized what they were doing, but, you know, the company might have asked everybody to be wearing that North Face stuff the day of covering the April 19th tragedy. Because once I realized the North Face equal 201, I was like, wow, another 201 connected to Oklahoma City. And yeah, the Oklahoman, the, the paper there, it is 201. So. What do you know? Thanks for the reminder, Nathan. I appreciate the super chat, too. Nathan boosted the, the stream revenue by 110%. Hold on, let me find out who else donated a dollar. So. And by the way, you guys, we did have our first Gematria Investment Club meeting today. Um, if you guys would rather that club be at a different time, let, let me know. Maybe noon Pacific, 3 Eastern's a little bit too early. Maybe I need to do it something more like it, like 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. You guys let me know. Um, I think that's going to be a real important and, and beneficial group for all. Hold on, I'm in the wrong thing. 
I must thank the person who donated the other dollar. Every dollar counts. Um, it was John Mendoza. Thank you, John. I do appreciate it. And make sure I didn't miss anything else. Okay, somebody sent $2 on Cash App and made me accept it. Interesting. Thank you, Alex. I do appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, again, just what a sick joke, you know. What a sick joke. You know what else I just thought about was 66? I'm pretty sure the word homicide is 66. It is. Homicide is 66, going with them publishing this 66 days before the anniversary of his death where they make you, the reader, decide. Was it a suicide or some kind of murder for looking into things he just wasn't supposed to look into? And, and ultimately, the story just like speaks to the age-old tale about how there's not many people that have bravery or courage or the willingness to do what's right. And um, yeah, again, because you know, so few people do, it's easy to single out those people and have a story like Terrence Yakey. Let me, um, <clears throat> oh, thank you, Pale Horse Rider. I appreciate that. And thank you also, Rigging Pots. I said, check out the Florida podcast bill where people have to report to the fool's office, federal office, for legislative services. Okay, I will check that out. I appreciate it. And you know what? While I'm at it, um, let me see if I can find... By the way, if you guys missed last year when we went to Oklahoma City, we had some really awesome streams, but Google took them down. And by the way, if you guys have not seen the documentary, um, okay, let me put this up here. Uh, we had we had um, Chris Emery on last last year after I came back on TFR. He's the documentary filmmaker who made the film about Oklahoma City bombing and the death of Taron Chakey called A Noble Lie. And... But what I really want to find is, oh, yeah, we also had this interaction with the uh, the owner of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'd like to talk to him about the rituals they've been doing with that team this year. And we've been grateful for him. We've been doing well with the Thunder. But, yeah, this is the owner of the Thunder right here. And you, you'd be amazed at how fast the uh, the police scurried him away when I when I attempted to talk to him about the, uh, the rigged NBA. Shout out to RPM Trey. Got some coverage from Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah, here's some coverage. Just talking to some people. I was walking around with a um, a megaphone around my neck, and sort of like, what is it about? And and I was teaching them all about 201. And by the end, I did, I, it was just it was almost like being at a concert where you sing the song and the audience sings back. I was just like, and guess what number? They're like, 201. I was like, you guys got it. Um, there's Denise. 
Sean, Chris, all the people who came out. Um, where is the video? Oh, yeah, that's right. Primus was there uh, kicking off their new tour by the numbers with a new song making fun of people who question. Where, where, where is... How come the video doesn't come up? Huh. Google's making it so it doesn't come up in the feed. I know it's out there somewhere. I got a video of... Um, what happened when I first got to the memorial. I should have been recording before it even started, but uh, I, I wasn't planning on recording anything. I just had to pull out my phone real quick when I started getting shoved around by the security. Uh, I don't know why that doesn't come up. I guess because Google doesn't want it to come up. Uh, just as a reminder, you guys, I do have several channels. I think, I think the Oklahoma City stuff is on Gematria Effect News 23. Let me see. And by the way, if you missed the stream I did yesterday morning on this actual channel, I actually took it down from this channel and I moved it over to Gematria Effect News 23 because it doesn't have any strikes right now. Just because this video does have a chance of getting a strike. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that Google hates when I talk about that subject. Okay. Here we go. In case you, if, in case you did not see what happened to me last year, I could have handled this better, but I just want you to see what happened. I'm going to take myself out of here. And um, change the audio setting. And again, this is how I was greeted when I got to Oklahoma City last year. Sir, you got to get your hands off me. No. You guys, I just got here, and when I walked up to the building, they said, are you sack covered? And they said, you're not allowed here. And this guy just put hands on me. What's your name? Hey, what's your name? What's your name? You you just asked me my name. Tell me what my name is. You just asked me it. Hey, Pat, can you come out? Pat's coming out, you guys. We got hands on here.
I'm not badgering somebody. You're getting in his face, talking about. I'm getting in his face. He's pushing me. Are you guys out of your mind? So he got in his face. You should, you should, you should eat less sugar, my man. Helped out this kid. Too much sugar. And you should stop being less of a sellout. You know? Weasel. Weasel. Here, let, let me give you all a lesson of why I'm probably here. What happened on April 1995? What really happened here? Was it the? Hey, come listen. Come learn something. Come learn something, Pat. What really happened here in 1995? You got enough crap going on. You got enough crap going on. You guys are standing around doing nothing. Watching you. Okay. Yeah. If you come back on this property, I'll be back here with the I'll be back here with the megaphones right here. So I know we're building what it is now. So I'll be good, and I'll make sure everybody knows what really happened on April 19th. Who you sellouts work for? Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. So you guys are happy to be sellouts? Just, just terrorizing good people. That's what I terrorize. So what? Sh what? Sh what? You're protecting? Okay. Yeah. What are you protecting them for? Protecting people that come through here. You can't rob me. I, I do not give you the right to film me. You, you don't. In, in public, you have the right to film anybody. Okay. Look at the lot, buddy. Learn the loss. Okay. Yeah. Learn the loss. Okay. No. What? 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 Get away from me, please. I'm off the property. You, got, okay. you guys are now. You guys can go back to your job if you don't want to learn something. But what? You guys? Have you guys noticed a lot of tragedies on April 19th in history? Yes. Why do you think that is? Was it, is it Timothy McVeigh that's responsible for all of them all over the world? No. So why do you, what, what do you hear something about April 19th that just makes people act crazy? No. So what do you think's really going on? What do you think? You're the one I know what's going on. I know what's going on. Pat, come learn something. It's not going to be an ignorant man. Hey. Yeah, we're back. People in here. I'm going to talk to Pat. Pat's the most abusive of all three. That's the most sold out of all three. He's not sold out. Pat, you should look into the no. Jesuit order. No. Ignatius of Loyola became the first superior general of the Jesuits. The, 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 you, know how, you know how Jackie Robinson, they made him wear number 42? That's what controls Major League Baseball. I can tell you why they stamp 42 all over black history. It's a real sick joke. But the Jesuits, they run this whole damn nation. They run this whole damn world. For anyone who wonders why I brought up Jackie Robinson, it was April 15th. It's Jackie Robinson Day. April 19th, the day Ignatius de Loyola became the first superior general of the Jesuits. Have you ever heard of Kabbalah before? No. You don't care? You don't care about information? Uh, you should look into nutrition, then your acne won't be so bad. Oh, thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, less sugar. Less sugar. That's, that's what's behind all that acne. But um, the Jesuits, they're into Kabbalah. Kabbalah is Jewish mysticism. The Book of Formation is their text. The first page says, God created the world with numbers, letters, and words. Numbers, hey, letters, hey, and words. Come back on this property. Well, here, let me teach you something real quick. Okay, yeah, you're arrested. Okay. You guys, you guys are good fucking pieces of shit. That's what you guys are. You guys are some sorry ass motherfuckers, and what's wrong with the country? Oh, we're wrong with the country. Yeah, you are what's wrong with the country. You don't want to know anything? Okay, you want to protect us? Huh? So I try to document some sorry ass motherfuckers that represent what's wrong with the nation. Tell me something. Were any of you guys in the military? Were any of you in the military? Good, that's good. What about you? Well, that's good too. Yeah. Not, not good enough to make it in? Is that why you didn't make it? No, I never tried. Why do you want to be a security? Why do you want to be a security? Because they're not protecting You're not protecting it today. That's not protection. The information I have it should be in this museum. Learn Gematria. If you spell out Timothy McVeigh, it equals 201. If you spell out Ignatius Loyola, it equals 201. If you spell out the Jesuit order, it equals 201. If you spell out Jorge Mario Bergoglio, it's 201. That's the first Jesuit Pope, Pope Francis, the first to ever live in suite 201 at the Vatican. All right, I'm going to cut Zach there. You guys pretty much get the point, hopefully. If you don't, oh, man, go, go visit his 
go visit his YouTube page. But uh, yesterday, uh, or the day he was on, March 3rd, um, we got news that Tom Sizemore finally died, age 61. Uh, uh, so I'm going to just read from his page, Zach's page. Uh, Tom Sizemore is dead on the 62nd year, in his 62nd year of life, on the 62nd day of the year. You know, sacrifice equals 62. Um, yeah, he's most famous for being in Saving Private Ryan. Uh, starring, co-starring Tom Hanks. Uh, he's dead 34 weeks um, after Tom Hanks' birthday. Uh, Tom Sizemore equals 134, uh, which is the 34 prime. Murder equals 34. Not only that, but Tom equals 33. He was announced dead yesterday on 3 slash 3. So, yeah, that. Let's see what else this nigga talking about. Oh, yeah, the Maryland governor, Maryland mayor, uh, resigned after being arrested for 56 counts of child pornography. Uh, the mayor of College Park, Maryland, Patrick Wohan, W-O-J-A-H-N, was arrested on 56 counts of child pornography-related charges. Society of Jesus equals 56. They run the world. Child pornography equals 72. Uh, Jesuit order equals 72. Pornography equals 72. Uh, this all came on a Thursday, a very Catholic day of the week in a very Catholic state of Maryland. It goes with the news coming on 3 slash 2, the 61st day of the year, church equals 61. Keep in mind, this guy was 47 years old at the time of his news, Maryland equals 47. Uh, so, yeah, that will pretty much conclude today. Be on the lookout for any uh, shootings and all that shit that I told you about earlier. Later. Thank you.